The Lord be with you. Let us pray. What a good and gracious God you are. We join with millions upon millions around the world who are worshiping you today, who are praising your name, who are coming before your word with uh, humility and gratitude uh, to learn about you, to learn how to live uh, in your love, to learn um, how to be a disciple, how to please you. God, when we hear your invitation, I pray that you would give us the grace to receive it. And not just once, Lord, but daily. And so we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that, that our name is written in the book of life and that, you're, um, that you are written on our hearts. We ask, God, that you would just glorify yourself in us and among us uh, as we study your word today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to all of you. So glad to see you as we uh, come together for week three in part 10, Jesus' last week. Today we have uh, wrong clothes, wrong question. Wrong clothes, wrong question. Um, Jesus, as you remember, is in Jerusalem. He's brought his disciples in there and he is sort of, um, he's come in, it looks like maybe probably Monday and uh, and. Matthew is not nearly as clear about the days of the week and what happens on what day as Mark is, uh, but he gives us a series of parables. We looked at two of them last uh, week, and then we look at um, we look at the final of the three parables. But each of the events, like the triumphal entry and the cleansing of the temple, the fig tree, uh, and then of course the uh, conversation about the the taxes, all of it is uh, meaty and. Uh, it's sort of a parabolic, uh, like a, it's like a parable, and it, um, and it all sh- points us uh, to, uh, uh, to God's Son, to His, um, to His purpose, and to the conviction uh, that uh, sort of dead religious works don't work uh, for, for Him. And, and, this, and so we continue, we saw, if you remember, the, the parable of the two sons, remember where we asked one to go and work in the vineyard, and he says, no, I'm not going. But then he goes, and he asks one to go, the second son to go and work in the vineyard, and he says, yeah, sure, but he doesn't go. Which one's done the will of the Father? Well, it's the one who said he wouldn't go, who looked like he wasn't going to go, but actually went into the vineyard to do the work, and the, the, um, the Pharisees are sort of symbolized by the second son who says one thing and does another. The next parable is the parable of the tenants, where the, uh, a, a king or a landowner of some sort leases out... Uh, a vineyard and a wine press to to tenants and goes off in a far country and he sends servants saying, Okay, wine season's coming, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my uh, my share and they kill the servants and then he sends his son, they kill the son and and they and the, actually the Pharisees say, Well you you're gonna you're gonna put those wretches to a miserable death and get somebody in there that can do it and he says, That's right. That's what I'm gonna do and sort of the tenants uh, are symbolized by the Phar- or they symbolize the Pharisees, because what they've said they're going to do, the agreement that they have um, given to the to the landowner to God, uh, they have not fulfilled because they didn't recognize uh, his son, and they're not giving him uh, his due. And this uh, now we come to the parable of the wedding feast, and we're all all this is is moving up 
uh, towards the cross. Uh, when, when every hill is, is made low and every valley is brought high, and everything, the, the cross levels everything. So the Pharisees and those who said that they wouldn't follow, they're, they're all put on the same, we're all put on the same plane uh, by the cross. So we have the parable of the wedding feast, and we're going to take a look at that. And I want you to really uh, find yourself uh, in this. Uh, are you in the first group? Are you in the second group? Are you in the, uh, do you have the, the wedding garment? All right, so let's take a look at, at these. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. Because it looks like the same conversation, basically. They hadn't run him out, which is actually kind of amazing. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. <clears throat> Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything's ready. Come to the wedding feast. They paid no attention, and they went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads, and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So it starts out, you think, oh, a feast, a wedding feast. And then you think, oh, heck. <laughs> so he's throwing the feast uh, for his son's wedding. The servants have a job. The servant's job is to go and Call the ones who have been invited, the ones who have already accepted the invitation, and tell them that the time has come. But they would not come. And so he, he sends them out again, it's just as if to say, this time tell them, just make sure they know all the trouble I've gone to. Like, tell them that I, I've prepared my dinner. You know, I, the, I killed the, the ox and the fatted calf and, and, and everything's ready. So they, they must not realize that uh, I've put a lot of effort uh, into this. It's kind of, it's, it's not just a little ceremony. It's kind of a big deal, right? And, uh, but they pay no attention. They had other things to do. They had said they were going to come, but when the time came, they decided they, wanted, they didn't want to do it. So it's not like it's, this is the first invitation and they just got a better deal. They've already said, they're, they're going back on their word. And it's the king. Like, it's not just, it's not just, you know, some guy down the street. You know, it's, it's, this is the one who, to whom they are uh, subservient by, uh, by decree. And so, they, one goes off to his farm, one goes off to his business, and the other ones just kill the servants, which is, uh, the, the, 
And so, uh, they, he says, um, what is it, where, am, where am I? The king was angry, of course he was, and he sent his troops and <laughs> took military action against those people while the dinner was getting cold. That, and burned their city. So I think, I mean, most would say that's, that is, he's, he's inserted a judgment against Jerusalem into, uh, into this parable. And then he goes out to the, where the, in Luke it's called the highways and the byways, right? He uh, goes out to, the, um, to all the roads and brings in the, as many as they can find. We're not going to let all this hard work go to waste. We've got all this food. Um, and so the wedding hall is filled with guests. But there's this weird twist. So like that would be enough of a twist, right? The people who said they were going to come, um, they, they didn't come, so he brought in people who, who weren't invited originally. That would be enough of it, and, and people are oh, you're, talk, you're, you're, pe- you're preaching against the Pharisees. But now he has a twist that actually gives a, a word of warning about those from the highways and byways. There was a man who had no wedding garment. I was actually in a, um, I was in a, in my last church, we, at our rally day, which was like our kickoff Sunday, we would... It was a big church, and so we would, we, all the staff would do a skit. Uh, and it was, we had Easter and Christmas and Rally Day. Those were like the three big days. It was packed. And I was the guy who didn't have the wedding garment. Uh, and I came in, and I was wearing a, uh, everybody else had on a tuxedo, and I had on this sequined jacket. Uh, it was really good looking. And, uh, and like a tie, and a tie-dye, and a tie-dye shirt. Uh, it was, it was awesome. If anyone needs to borrow it. <laughs> I got the picture of the turkey on his head. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so, he says, how did you get in here without your sequin jacket? How did you get in here without your... How did you get in here with a, without a wedding garment? And he didn't have anything to say. He didn't say your guard let me, let him let me in or anything like that. He just says he didn't have anything to say. He was speechless, and he gets thrown out. And and it's and Jesus, just in case we're wondering, makes it very clear that this is judgment. The man faces the same judgment that the Pharisees faced um, because he didn't have the wedding garment. So the Pharisees are, are in a sense like the second son who said they were going to come and, and uh, said he was going to work and didn't. Um, he, uh, the Pharisees say they're going to come uh, to the feast and don't. But the, um, what do you make of this? So let me ask you, let me just open it up. What do you make of this parable broadly? I mean, what, what are the, how does it strike you? What are the things that you feel nervous about or curious about? I'm not understanding what the garment is. Oh, you know, okay, good. What is the garment? Yes, uh, Dorsey was going to say something. I was going to say that, you know, they didn't have any stipulations. They said, get everybody. They want to come, come. And then you want to chastise somebody because they didn't have what you thought they should have wanted. But Jesus says, come to me as you are. Where does he say that? I I want him to say that. That's a lot of I haven't seen family in the Bible. <laughs> well, 
Listen, I, he does. He does. Just as I, just as I am. Like, if Billy Graham can say it, then, then so can Jesus. You know, but so, um, if, um, uh, but, but it's, it is, uh, yes, we are, we are to come. We're, and, and that is because we're not saved by what we've done, right? We're saved by what, what by grace, by what God has, God has done. But it seems, at first blush, it does seem a little ungracious. I mean, because so far we're tracking along, especially Christians, right? We're, we're tracking along. There's a, there's a feast for the sun. Like, this, the king has prepared a feast for the sun. Now, the, Matthew's audience might have gotten this, but Jesus' audience in, the, in Jerusalem would not have, if, if to read it in sort of this allegory of if the sun is, the, is Jesus and we're actually talking about the, the feast of, of the lamb. You know, like, that, so... So it's, it's really uh, striking to us that all of a sudden we thought, oh, highways and byways, we got everybody in there, this is grace, and then there's somebody who gets kicked out because they're not wearing the right clothes. They don't have the, I don't know, what's the latest clothes? Uh, Chipperelli or something. They don't have that on. So what is, um, what is the wedding? That's, that's a great question. So wh- why is he not gracious? Go ahead. What else? Maybe he was a meat. He was what? A meat. Uh, Bless his heart. That's right. It's parable, so I mean, it's obviously about a symbolism here, right? So the way I took it was the the garment, the wedding garment, is you know the grace of Jesus. So he doesn't have no faith. He's not a believer in Jesus. He gets kicked out because you know you may be invited, but if you you don't have that. Well, thanks so much for coming, y'all. That's really uh, that's... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about questions, not answers. Yeah, what are your questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's you're cruising for a bruising, buddy. Um, no, that's uh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It is. Yes. Is the latter group Gentiles and the Group alluded to in the first part, Jews. That's a great question. Is the is the latter group Gentiles and the other group Jews? Matthew speaking to a Jewish audience. Is that not correct? Matthew is yes. Yes, that's right. We'll get there. <laughs> My question is: yeah. Does it doesn't say so? The servants went out a second time and gathered all all the people in the second paragraph. How, I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume they had a wedding garment, but how did they get a wedding garment? Right. How did they get a wedding garment? That's I, yeah, so that's, a, that's it, isn't it? That's, what, why did this guy come in? <laughs> Say it again, Charlotte. They're handing them out at the door, in a sense, perhaps. In a sense, perhaps. All right. That'd be the same as us going out gathering the people in the community and a, a homeless person comes in and we kick him out. I don't know that it would quite be like that, but I mean, I can see, I mean, I see the similarity. Um, but we don't know. We like, we don't, we don't know. All right, so. And again, we're not in we're not in Matthew's audience, so they may have had some assumptions that we don't know. The way I understand it, 
is that they were essentially handing out the wedding garment at the door, or they knew how to bring it, and everybody came in. But somebody came in either and didn't accept the wedding garment, wanted to get in without it on his own, on his own, with his own sequin jacket, right? He wanted on the way he wanted to be, the way he wanted to be, and uh, and that's not it because it is it is grace. You have to come. You're you're not you. You don't earn. We don't earn our way in. We don't impress our way in. We are. We come in by the by the humility and the grace of of God. Um, we, we come in with humility by the grace of God. So I think that um, that's true. I mean, I've heard people try to say the wedding garment is love. You know, like he, he just wasn't a very loving person. Or we, for us to apply, for us to have the wedding garment is to be love. But I think that that's, that's too much of a work uh, in, in that sense. Hopefully in the wedding, in the feast, inside the feast, we will be uh, incredibly loving. But the, um, but, but it's, it's we're cl- the garment itself is the, is the righteousness of, of Christ. So we are in Christ. And so, I mean, you can imagine someone who comes into the church and, and kind of wor- works their way in and, and looks, looks the part. Everybody in the community knows them. But, um, but there's just a sense in which they, they don't get it. There are people in the church like that. Um, and what Jesus is saying, I mean, it's not, it's not that the man was without fault and he just didn't understand that he, he intentionally came in. Everybody else has a, has a garment, and he's shown off, or he's, he's um, going to do it his own way. And the only way to come in is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so, um, so I think that is, uh, you're absolutely right, uh, Josh, and, and um, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's not a warning. It's just to say that um, for us who have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, it is to say, thank you, Lord, for the wedding garment. And yet, if there is a sense that we hear this and we think, well, I don't really need the wedding garment because I don't need that grace because I'm a really good person. Then I think, I think we should uh, perk up and say, we're the guy with the sequin jacket and the tie-dye shirt underneath. Like, you know, we're, we're going to try to be, uh, if, if we're just good people, I mean, there's a lot of good people that don't know Jesus, right? If we're good people, then that's not enough. Because none of us is righteous, no, not one. That's what you know. Romans says, and so in fact, let me let me. I didn't I didn't think to, to talk about Romans, but let me just read this um, from Romans chapter three. Now we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world, Pharisees and the uh, insiders and the outsiders, the whole world may be held accountable to God, for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, uh, through, uh, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In other words, everyone uh, has sinned and fallen short of the, grace, the glory of God. But now, he says, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from the works, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So that's that's got to be it. Is that he doesn't believe? You know, that's that's the only that's the only thing. So even for the uh, the outsiders. Now, are, is it Gentiles and Jews? I would say uh, it is the self righteous and the and it's more like uh, John's the John the Baptist 
crowd. You know, like they, um, and it's, I would say it involves everybody, not just you know, whether they're Jewish or Gentile. It's those who would do, uh, the way I understand it anyways, those who would, uh, by their religious good works, sort of be naturally chosen, naturally invited, and, uh, and those who would seem to have not been uh, on the in- inside of that. Um, and I don't know how to say, I mean, there were people who were ethnically Jewish but didn't have much to do. You know, they weren't the elite. They weren't the Pharisees. They weren't the, the Jerusalem folks. Um, and I, and I, I certainly think there's a way to see this in, with the, uh, the Gentiles as well, and the completely unexpected who come in. But I don't think it's, I would say it's in opposition to the religious, not to the ethnically Jewish. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And that, probably, that helps the understanding, you know. So, so we're not looking at it as an actual, it's not. It's like the homeless person would obviously be very welcome if, if the garment is the belief or faith in Christ. So it's like taking off the idea that it's actually the clothing, but more the original people who were invited or those who might have thought they would have earned it by their status or whatever. But they didn't get it. They didn't have the faith. So, but the, so it was extended to those who might not. Well, you can imagine the people on the highways and byways getting an invitation for the king, thinking, "Who me? Of course I'm coming. I'm putting all my faith in that invitation." But the outlier says, "I'm finally getting my due." And I don't, you know, what I've always known about myself has finally come true. And he kind of marches in on his own, on his own merits. So yes, it's not like somebody who's homeless gets kicked out because they're homeless. It's because it's you know, it could be the guy in the fancy house down the road. It doesn't matter about that. It's just it's just where who, what's our where's our faith? That's that's what I'm trying to say. And so are we covered in the in the blood of Christ? Yes, Pam. But I also think that it has to do with the gratefulness. Um, of those people who were invited originally had, and, you know, saying that they're like the Pharisees had become so self-thought that they were not grateful for what they had been called to. Whereas when you go out to people who weren't called to it, they probably had a feeling their wedding clothes might have represented their gratefulness Whereas the one who didn't wear that gratefulness, it would be like a homeless person would come into our church and start hitting everybody and, you know, showing that they, and getting up on the pulpit and trying to preach the sermon and everything because they didn't have this feeling of, I am so unworthy to be here. And I need to hear and have faith in this. So, I, I mean, I definitely see your, your point. I would just say this. Any, anything we have to offer ourselves, including gratitude, would be the sequin jacket and not the wedding garment. But we can certainly be grateful for having received the wedding garment. And I think that that, um, I mean, you could say the guy didn't have gratitude, but I, and, I, and I would agree the guy didn't have gratitude. But it's not... I think the point is that the wedding garment was offered to everybody at the door. Like it was, it was what we put on that we were given, rather than um, 
rather than what we had to offer ourselves. And so, uh, but won't it make us grateful to have received that? Absolutely. And so I think gratitude's got to be in the mix for sure. For sure. Yes, Katie. Could that also extrapolate out to all the world religions who don't accept Christ as God? Katie uh, on online asked, um, "Would that also extrapolate out to all the world religions that don't believe in Christ?" Is that is that your question? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and for that answer, I'd like to turn to uh, Deacon Beth. my answer is. I mean, I, I would say again, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I I, I would say, I would I mean, I don't I don't I don't know. Um, because I would say this, that all the, everybody who came to the wedding feast was invited, and they knew they were invited, and the other religions would probably not know that they're invited, or, uh, and they, but they wouldn't fall into the first ca- category of those who said they were coming but chose not to. So the answer is, I don't know that that really, that question really fits. Um, we could probably extrapolate, but, um, and I would say all who are saved need to be saved by the blood of Christ. Now, there are people who I, whose ministry I admire who would say that people, the blood, the Christ is so gracious he will put his uh, wedding garment even on people who don't call upon his name because they never knew to that he's more he's that gracious. And there were other people whose ministry I admire who would say no, it ha- you have to consciously have faith in Christ, and if you don't, um, it never heard about it, then that's up that's up to God. I certainly don't know the answer to that. And I look forward to finding out the good news when I get there. But I know this, I've heard the invitation, so I better have the wedding garment on, right? But God is definitely more gracious than I am. I mean, not much, but a, but a, but a little bit. And so, um, and so it is, uh, yeah, I, whatever the answer is, it will be surprisingly wonderful. I'd say it like that. All right, let's move on to paying taxes to Caesar. So we get, we get these three, uh, three parables, uh, really, of, of judgment. All the parables in the last week of Jesus are, are essentially parables of judgment, really sort of sheep and the goats, sort of enter your out kind of parables. Uh, because we're getting close, right? We're getting close to the, to, to the cross. The Pharisees understand clearly that he's teaching against them. In their place, like in, in the temple, he's teaching against them. And so they went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, because the people are just eating it up, what he has to say, and they really don't have a lot of anything to say about it. And they sent their disciples to him, the, Fer- the disciples of the Pharisees, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. And that's an interesting pair, because the Herodians weren't particularly religious, they were, they were disciples or servants, I guess better, of the king. They were, these were the, if the Herod was himself, in some, some sense, a, a uh, political party, then the Pharisees, had, for this moment, aligned themselves with the Herodians, the, the religious and the political. And they go together, because why, why would the Herodians care about Jesus? trying to keep control and peace. They didn't want a bunch of stuff going. Okay. He says he's a king. He says he's a king. 
he says he's king of the Jews, so or at least that's what people are saying about him. So the Jews are upset, and so are the, so is the king, right? So so they uh, they actually they're coming together, and they they boy they try to butter him up too, man. They just they try to butter him up. Teacher, we know that you're true. You teach the way of God truthfully, and you don't care about anyone's opinion. He's not say, they're not saying he's he's mean or he just he's thoughtless. He, he's saying that that he's going to teach truth regardless of what other people say about it. For you are not swayed by appearances. So, so tell us then what you think. <laughs> Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You know, like you just... So what's, what's, the, what's the test? <coughs> Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Well, if, if they didn't align with Herod, then obviously they would be an enemy to him. And if they didn't align with the Pharisees, then so they're trying to they capture him in that one spot where he can't have the support of either. If he has to pay taxes to Caesar, then he's loyal to Caesar, the Roman occupiers, right? But if he doesn't pay taxes to Caesar, he's going to get in trouble with Caesar. Right? So that's... Um, so he's going to be in trouble with, with inherit as sort of his puppet king. Tell us what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Well, it's lawful by the Roman law, but not by the Jewish law. Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the t- coin for the tax. And he brought him a denarius. And so a denarius was, a, as you probably know, it was a day's wage. And it's just a coin. It's like a silver dollar kind of a coin, and on that uh, coin was an was uh, the impression, the imprint of uh, of Caesar. And Jesus said to them, "Whose likeness and inscription is this?" And they say, "Caesar's." And he says to them, "Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's." And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. And if I were debating with a guy like that, I'd marvel and leave too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not a good debater. I can I can tell you that. Um, so, how does Jesus get? I mean, what is, what is Jesus getting out of? Uh, what what is he? What is Jesus's message here? So, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? I think he's just distinguishing between things of the world and things of God. Okay. You know, this is of the world. This is just a chunk of metal. This isn't what's you know, ultimately important. We're to God with God too. Just highlight that distinction. So should I pay my taxes or not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point being, that's not really the, the, the big thing. Like, like you said, you, know, you focus on the big thing. Pay the taxes is not, it's a day-to-day thing that you have to deal with. It's not what's ultimately important. Not okay. What else? Could it be the difference between prayer and and acknowledging His graciousness versus money? Could be the difference between prayer, acknowledging His graciousness, and money. Tell me, I don't understand the distinction. I don't. Because you give tax, tax money to Caesar, but you give your grace and other ways of payment to God. So you're serving. You're not. Well, you are serving both if you do that, though. Hmm. So, 
I, here's, what, here's, here's how I would preach this. That there is, um, there is the likeness and the image of Caesar on the coin. So we want to give the, the thing that we have that has the likeness and image of Caesar to Caesar. Because that's we got to pay taxes. We got they're gonna. We don't pay. I, mean, I heard Jim say it's it's important if we don't pay the taxes, right? Like that's you're gonna get in trouble if you don't pay the taxes, and then you have all sorts of other problems. But what has the likeness and imprint, the uh, inscription of God upon it? Ourselves. We're made in the image of God, and so I believe that Jesus is saying, yes, you got to pay your taxes, but the important thing is to give yourself fully uh, to God. So it doesn't mean that in their circumstance and in our circumstance, you may love the president, you may not like the president. I'm sure in this room right here, we've got folks on, on both sides of that. But it is, um, you don't say, well, I don't like the president, so I'm not, I'm not paying taxes. Um, it's, <laughs> just, we're not talking about that. Um, what we're saying is that, is that we are, um, we're going to do our civic duty but that is not going to um, impede. That's just part of our life. We get benefit from that. But we're not. That doesn't impede us from giving uh, to the Lord. Now, I I think we can make a case talking about our own our own giving. Our, uh, and a lot of times, this this passage is used as a stewardship type passage. Uh, we get we pay our taxes, so we also got to pay the church. And uh, I don't love it like that. Um, I don't. I don't. I think that's sort of manipulating this. No, I think it's true. We're stewardship season's coming up. We're going to ask you to fill out your pledge cards. I'm not, we're not doing quite as overt of a campaign this year for for a number of different reasons. But I, and I think you should. I think you. Um, and I think you will uh, give to your church financially. But I, I really think this has more to do with understanding that we just live in society and that has costs and 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 benefit. But, but what's important is how we give our hearts to the Lord. Now, if we give our, truly give our hearts to the Lord, we're going to give our, our time we're going to, to the church. We're going to give our talent to the church. We're going to give our treasure to the church. Uh, but I don't, think that is, um, I, don't think that, I don't think that God has that in mind or Jesus has that in mind when he's, when he's saying this. I think he's really saying, uh, render to God the, the thing that has his likeness and impression upon it. Um, which is a daily task, isn't it? Yeah, Keith. So I, I think that render unto God what is God's is, is the three things that are, are in the Bible. I, I mean, it's just kind of popped in my head. You know, it's really heart, soul, and mind. And if those three things are in alignment, you'll be tithing and you'll be helping your neighbor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the... So it, he said, I really don't care what you get to Caesar. I just need you to be aligned heart, um, soul, and mind. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's really about. I mean, if we're this is why this is why Saint Paul in Galatians talks about the uh, works of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. Like it grows in us: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. There is um, uh, they are. It is the the fruit of a life that is lived in the grace of God is joyful, loving, patient. Now, are we always joyful, loving, and patient, and all the other things? No, right? But um, but do we want to be? At once in a while, we might. Yeah, every squirrel finds a nut. Some even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometime, right? So the uh, the um, but we we 
can we look back over our life lived in Christ and, and think perhaps that we're probably more loving and patient and joyful than we would have been had we not met Christ all those years ago? I hope so. I hope so. And we can also look back and, and give, only give credit to the Lord for those things. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I think that, that you're absolutely right, but it's not a matter of us, like, well, we're, we have to give Him our, well, we, I mean, we do, we give Him our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it is, it's because we, it's because it's His fruit. You know, that's, we're offering Him our first fruits. It, are we giving our finances? Of course. But are we also, it's, that's just, it's just fruit of His work in us because we're made in His image. So. Yeah. I think one way that I would look at it is do what you have to do to get through this life, but don't lose focus on the heavenly life. That's, that's our goal. Yeah, do what you have to do to get through this life. I mean, this is just temporary. Well, I think I've told you before about, uh, I, heard, I heard a story, so was somebody I knew knew someone that this happened to, but it was like, she was one of my professors, and she, a girl she grew up with in high school was really smart, but didn't go to college because her parents hadn't saved any money for college because Jesus was going to come back before college. <laughs> like, they didn't take care of their business, right? I mean, they just, you know, like, they didn't. <laughs> And take care of their business. So you got to take care of your business. But, um, but it, it was just, like, you still, it doesn't, taking care of your business doesn't mean you're unfaithful. Like, you still have to give, uh, give to the Lord. All right. God bless you. Uh, next week is, uh, we're finishing up chapter 22. It's All Saints Sunday. It's going to be a little bit shorter class because we have baptism at 1030. And um, and we'll see then the following week, the thirteenth, we will not have class. Okay, so just so you know. Pardon me. Oh yeah, it'll be uh, uh, fall fall back. So we get an extra hour of sleep.